Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, Thank you for just being our God and all the promises that you've made to us, uh, all the promises we sang today in worship that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that you're always here, that you never let go. And I pray, Lord, that we would never let go of pressing into that more and more, that we would always be after you and the things that you have for us. So I pray that you would come in the power of your Holy Spirit and meet us here today, that we would encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, who's tired of the word with? Anybody? Anybody anybody afraid to admit that? (laughs) Don't tell Brendan. Brendan always teases me about, you know, he likes to give me attention and everything, and that's because he hates attention too. You know that, right? So I think we should have like a, uh, a campaign f- to bring attention to Brendan. And you know who's even worse? Mark Spencer. <laughs> but what a joy to be with this team. And what a joy to be with you. And God is with us. He's with us. And I think the good news for today and right now is, you know what? He's right here. He's right beside you. He's right behind you. He's right in front of you. He's in you. Scripture tells us that he's with us. Throughout time, God has been with us. He was in the garden with Adam and Eve. He, Mark said how he walked with Enoch. He walked with Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Solomon, Joseph, Job, the prophets, over and over and over we see this thread of how God is with the people in Scripture. And in the New Testament we see it. God was with Jesus. Now that's where we kind of have to hold some tension because God was with Jesus and God is Jesus. Jesus is God. It's a trinity. God came, or Jesus, God came to earth, fully man in Jesus, manifests, fully man and fully God. And then we have promises that Jesus says, and I'll never leave you. Matthew 28 says, in the Great Commission, you'll say, I will be with you always. He's here. How close does he feel to you? How close does he feel to me? I think in different times, different seasons, different days, different hours, different minutes, different seconds, it could be really a wide range of how close he feels. And I think one of the things on our, our, our end of responsibility is to never stop pursuing his presence. When we're talking about prayer, we're talking about the continual presence of God, being in his continual presence. And what does that look like? Some days it's going to look really strong, and you're just going to know that you know that he's here. And some days it might not be so strong. Then what do you do? But the good news is, no matter how we feel, he's here. Really close. In our human minds, we can't imagine how, we can't imagine the fullness of God. We're incapable of it, because we are finite, 
and he is infinite. But he's given us such great gifts to try and get closer and to try and know him and to know him more and more and more. And as we've been talking about with, you know, it's an axiom that we're using that is just big word from, from my friend Joy from Canada, um, that as we continue to talk about it, it gets built on. So hopefully by now when we say with, you have a bigger meaning of what that means than when we started. That you understand more what that means. And so we're just going to unpack that more today. We know that God was with Jesus because in Acts 10, it says, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then when you play out the equation of, okay, so God tells us that he's with us, so does that mean we can go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil? I think it does. I think that's what it really means. But he's here. And what we want to talk about today is, so what does it mean then, if he's with us, how do we talk to him? How do we have those conversations with him? A while ago, Brendan showed a clip, which I'm not going to show today, um, but he showed a clip of, um, from Bruce Almighty. I don't know if you guys remember that, where you, if you remember, but, but God, Morgan Freeman, said, pray, and Bruce Almighty says, dear God, and then Morgan says, well, that was nice, what was the quote? If you want to be Miss America. That was nice if you want to be Miss America. But tell me what's on your heart. And then Bruce Almighty says, I just want her to know she's loved. And he, she's, he starts speaking from his heart. How are we doing in that? I just want to check in with ourselves. How are we doing with those conversations with God? And where are we at? And what are some practical things we can do to give ourselves an upgrade? that we can then be more comfortable with our conversations because the conversations are possible because he's here. You know, when you are with somebody, like Scott and I are married, and so we spend a lot of time together. So for those of you who are married or live with somebody, do you talk all the time? There's never moments of silence? Yeah, <laughs> you know, Scott and I could be sitting there watching TV. We got our little docks and puppies and our remotes. We're in happy place. And, you know, we don't say anything to each other. He's on his iPad playing words with friends, and I'm on my, iP- my phone playing words with friends. We're playing each other, you know. <laughs> but we don't talk. <laughs> we're just sitting there playing games. But here's the deal. Because we're at least in proximity with each other, the conversations can happen. If we weren't in the same room, now you could call somebody, but I'm talking about close proximity conversations. If we weren't in the same room or if we weren't spending time together, the opportunity for the conversation would never even happen. So that proximity is so key. And I believe, and I think through the vision of of Brendan and Bridgewood and what I've been hearing in the first four months here that I believe if we get this proximity thing down and we get this with thing down we're going to be unstoppable for the kingdom 
I, I just think it's so key and so essential. And I think even when we move on from this topic and we start diving into other things that we need to come back and ask and, and be reminded. You know, God's always in the me- uh, ministry of reminding. You know that. He always reminds us. And we'll need to keep reminding ourselves and checking in with each other and holding each other accountable to how are your conversations with God going? Are you with him? Are you spending time with him? Are you having an upgrade in your conversations? And I hope that we get to a place where we can be asking each other those kinds of questions. There's something about conversations that we do need to be honest about. At least I'll be honest with you first. There are some conversations and people that I'd like to avoid. You put a big smile on your face and then you look really nice when you say something like that. You know, I remember a while ago that I was... um, at a place and I, if I saw somebody's car that I didn't want to talk to, I would avoid it. I would not go into the building. I'd be like, oh, they're there. I'll wait. I'll just go get a cup of coffee. And, and I would avoid it because I didn't want to have the conversation. I didn't want to see them. Maybe it was exhausting. Maybe they've offended me. Maybe I'm mad at them for something. Years ago, the, the great weapon when, you're, when I was mad at Scott would be silent treatment. You know, he's sitting right there and I'm walking by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to look at you. So it's embarrassing to even say that. But there's something in us that we, there is a little flight mechanism in our brains that's actually psychologically proven that we do have a tendency to want to flee things that we're uncomfortable with. And the only reason I'm bringing that up is so we could just check. Is there any reason why we don't want to have conversations with God? Am I mad at him? Um, Do I feel abandoned? Do I feel hurt by him? Have I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and I never hear him? Um, You know, you you guys probably maybe have your own other things that might come into, into, into the way. Avoidance doesn't give us an upgrade. Having difficult conversations and walking into um, some hard places sometimes, walking through that, that's what gives you the upgrade. So I just want to encourage you to do that. And then be intentional about your proximity with Jesus. Sometimes we have a hard time recognizing his voice, right? Right? I remember so many times I was, I was trying to listen, and I'm like, Lord, I really want to do your will. Just tell me what, what's on your heart. Just tell me. And I would listen, and I don't hear anything. And I think, that's not nice. Tell me. It would be so much easier. Why wouldn't you just tell us what you want us to do? Open your Bibles, if you have them, to John 10. We're going to start at John 10, verse 22. The passage will set it up for us of where Jesus is and who he's with. So starting with verse 22, it says, Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. 
and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. That just makes me laugh. Scott and I put this little piece of roof over our doorway, and we, couldn't, we didn't know what to call it. He wanted to call it an awning, but I didn't want to call it an awning because an awning is fabric. <laughs> this is such a rapture. <laughs> and so I'm in scripture one day, and I said, in my brilliant wisdom, I said, let's call it a colonnade. <laughs> and he's like, we're not calling it a colonnade. It's really like a porch. It's like a roof over a, a porch area. That was free. <laughs> the Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Wouldn't it be nice if everything we heard from Jesus was plain and clear and loud and got our attention and we just knew that we would never miss it? It would be nice. But his ways are higher and he has reasons for the ways that he does things. They're unique to him as Jesus, and they're unique to each of us with our relationship with Jesus. Because my relationship with Jesus is a little different than Scott's relationship with Jesus. It's, you know, he knows exactly where we're at and exactly what we need. And so we have to trust that, even when we don't hear him plainly. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I don't think this is a criticism or a condemnation if, we don't, if we're not quite there yet. I think it's a goal. That we would be a people that would listen for his voice and that we would grow to know him more and more. And that we would grow to know how to follow him to the best of our ability, even if we make mistakes. It's almost like we're in training. Decide to be in training. Could we do that? Could we decide to be in training and practice? We say to the school of ministry students at the beginning of the year, you are here to practice. If we don't have a practice, we won't learn. We won't grow in that, and we won't know. So decide to be in training. When I was in seminary, my mentor, Marianne Herzon, who became my spiritual mom, she mentored me for five years. And I think I might have even said this already, but I would call her in a panic. I'd be like, Marianne, this happened, and I don't know what to do. La, 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 la. You know, after about ten minutes, <laughs> she'd go, Sharon, what did Jesus say? I get so mad at her. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Just tell me. Just tell me what to do. How do I respond? What do I say? I want to do it perfectly. I want to do it well. Just tell me. But here's what Marianne in her wisdom was doing. She was training me. What did Jesus say? And I wonder if we became a culture that when somebody came to us and they were distressed about something that we listened and we respected them, and we honored them, and we loved them, and we gave them grace, and we ask, what did Jesus say? And we start training each other. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? Let's go to Jesus together. Let's listen together, see what he says, because I guarantee you he's talking. 
He's talking because he's here. He's a resurrected, living, active, engaging God. And he's here. And he wants to be talking with us. So if we can agree to be in training together, I think that we're going to get an upgrade. I think we're going to get an upgrade. I'm going to ask uh, Kay Figi to come up. We were talking last week. And uh, I asked her, you know, just out of just curiosity, I said, do you remember, because Kay hears the Lord quite regularly and, and accurately, and I said to her, I said, do you remember the first time that you ever heard God? And she told me the story, and then I asked her, so be careful if you're ever talking to me. No, you could always say no. She could have said no. And then I asked her, and I said, would you mind sharing that story? So, Kay, could you tell us about one of the first times that you heard the Lord's voice and what it was like for you? Well, back story. About 15 years ago, I... Hang on, you're not on yet. Not on. Can we turn this nope. mic on? Is it on? Okay. okay. About 15 years ago, I, I'd always been a Christian pretty much most of my life, but I was just kind of visiting God at church on Sundays and the rest of the week, you know, he wasn't a big part of my life. But I reached a point where I really had no resources of my own anymore. I needed God in my life, and I really wanted him in my life, and I believe he was calling me. And so I started praying five minutes a day. And <laughs> I feel stupid now, but that's what, the way it started. So anyway, I was praying the Lord's Prayer frequently because that's what he had called me to. And, and uh this was a long time ago. I don't remember what Doug did. <laughs> and he's not here to defend himself. So <laughs> We planned this. Yeah. yeah, really, I hope he doesn't listen to the tapes. We love you, Doug. So, uh, but something, he did something, either did something or said something. I was really, really angry and offended and hurt and I was driving in my car down Radisson Road, if you guys live around here, you know where that is, just past the airport. I remember this so clearly, and I'd just been pretty much just ranting all the way down to God about, oh, how awful this was, and you know, how are we going to survive this, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I finally, I just got to the end of all my complaints, and I said, God, what should I do? And just like that, the thought came in my head, forgive him. Well, that was God. I was not thinking to forgive him. <laughs> so I did. I asked Kay, I said, how did you know it was God? And she says, because I would have never came up with that on my own. <laughs> so Kay, that was like one of the first times. And you, you felt it was God because it had some weight to it and because you would have never came up with it on your own. It surprised you. You, you had said those words that it surprised you. Now, years later, after practicing and push, pressing into more and more, now what is it like for you to hear God, and how is your conversation with God changed from then? Well, I think now that I've been expecting to hear from him, um, it's often very quick, just like that, uh, but it's also, I hear a lot through the Bible, through the Word, studying the Word, reading the Word. I'll be reading a, a passage, and, and it'll just be a I just feel in my spirit that God is saying, this is for you, or sometimes it's for someone else, you know, and I, I just can share that with them. Um, 
And sometimes it's just sitting quietly, and that's probably the hardest part, is being quiet, quieting my own thoughts long enough to hear his voice. Because uh, I think most of us, you know, we're just thinking all the time. And, and uh, listening for God is a skill that you can develop. And so I, I still try to do that. And a lot of times he just really is... Uh, just it most well. It's, I mean, I've never heard an audible voice. Some people have, but it's it's in my thoughts and in the word. Thank you. Thank you, Kay. I think one of the things that is important about that is to see that it didn't. I don't know where we get this idea, and maybe you don't. Maybe I just did. But I just thought I should just have it. I should just once I became a Christian, I should just hear God, and I should have conversation with Him. I should know Him, and. It, for some reason, it doesn't seem to be that way. It's a process. It's a process. So where do you begin? When you meditate in the Word and um, are sitting with the Lord, there are times where you can read a little passage and then just pause. I can't remember who was talking about pausing. Was it Brendan who was talking about pausing? Just pause and wait and see if a thought comes to your mind or if something drops in. Many of you guys are probably way beyond this step already. But if there's anyone in here that you just don't know where to start, that's a place that you can start. Look at uh, Psalm 77 with me, if you can. If you have the scripture, I'll read it. But if you also want to turn there, it's sometimes good to see it and read it at the same time. It's going to be Psalm 77, starting in verse 11. We're just going to do 11 and 12. And it's a psalm of Asaph. And he's saying, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. We've heard it before, meditate on the word. How do we get an upgrade to that? Because I think we know how to read God's word. But how do we end, end up in a conversation with him from the starting point of reading his words? And one of the things we can do is imagine. Um, I think sometimes the New Age uh, movement has stolen some really great words from us. <laughs> and I think one of them is imagination. God gave us imagination. And here's a really solid example on how to use imagination. Asaph gives it to us. Go down to verse 15, 77, 15. With your mighty arm you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. The arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. What is he recounting? He's recounting the Exodus experience. What happened in Exodus 14, I believe. Yes, Exodus 14. When you go back and look at Exodus 14, all those details are not given. So what is Asaph doing? He knows that this thing happened, but he doesn't have all the details. He's imagining. Imagine what it would have been like. Imagine. 
And I think that's a gift from the Lord for us to imagine. It brings us into the context and it brings us into his presence in a way that just reading won't. It, it, it involves and engages other senses for us. You know, if you closed your eyes, you can if you want to, and you thought about maybe being at the edge of the Sea of Galilee. For those of you who have been there, you have an advantage. And a father and his boy are by the sea. He's training his son how to mend nets. There's a slight breeze. You can smell the sea. And there's a rumbling off in the distance of people talking. And the father says, come on, son, we're going to go... We're going to go. We're going to go up on the hill. And they start walking down the road, and the sand is getting in their sandals, and it's dust, and it's a little bit dusty because there's a lot of people headed towards this hill. And the boy looks up and says, Dad, why are we going? Why are we going up this hill? And he says, because there's a man up there named Jesus that everybody's going to hear, and I want to go hear him. I don't... For me, when I do that, I'm there. There's something about imagination that the gift of it brings me into the presence of Jesus, and I think, oh, how amazing that must have been. How amazing that must have been to see the Red Sea parted. How amazing that must have been to be listening to the Sermon on the Mount. And I think we can engage that. So if you're willing, I'd like to... Walk us through a little bit of an exercise today. And it's up to you if you, if you want to or not. But I want to find him. I want you to see him, to feel him, to sense him right here. Because he's right here. Okay? So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to think about some time in your life that you were happy. That you just had a lot of joy. A time when... Um, it could be in a time of worship. It could be a time of joy with the Lord. But it could just be a great time of joy. Okay? And then we're going to ask you, with your imagination, with, your, with the eyes of your mo- uh, heart, Ephesians talks about the eyes of our heart, just look around and see where he is. For those of you at the women's retreat, this is the same exercise. Okay? So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you that you are here. I thank you for... Um, your presence, and that you want us to know how close you are. So I pray that you would bring to mind now a time of great joy in our lives. You would just rise up that memory in our minds. You would bring up that great time, time that we were happy, that we were content. We had great joy. And you can keep your eyes closed with just with a show of hands. Does anyone have anything that came to your mind? Okay. Good. Good. And if you didn't have a memory, you can just look around. Just be in this present. Be present in this room and look around. And now say, if Jesus was there, where is he? He's Emmanuel. He's always with us. Just look around the room where you are. And see if you can see him.
And then just get a little close to him. Look at his garments. What is he wearing? Sometimes people will see him in blue jeans and a plaid shirt. And then look at his face. If he's there. And ask the question, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And just appreciate him. Say, thank you, Lord. Appreciate you. What do you love about him? Just in your mind or whisper, tell him what you love about him. Minister to him. Jesus, thank you that you are always with us. You were with us from the beginning. You were with us since we were born. You were with us through scripture and through history, and you're with us now, and you're here. Thank you, Lord, that we can taste and see you, that we can taste and see that you are good. We love that you love us. We love your compassion and your generosity, your victory that you have overcome. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. In a crowd of this size, uh, I've not done this before, so I really would welcome any feedback. Not everybody is going to see the Lord like physically. Did anybody see him? Great, good, a few. It's funny, it's women from the retreat I see that that took. It was just a practice. And if we expect, like Kay said, if we expect to see him, we will. I had someone tell me this morning that, you know, they don't physically see Jesus when they sit in the presence and they're looking around the room for him. But what they did see was Jesus and everyone. And I asked this question. I said, how did you know Jesus was in there? And just uh, I'll ad lib a little bit. But they knew because the spirit connected. Jesus said, there I am. Do you think that was a connection with the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. Practice being in his presence. You can do this at home in your quiet time. You can do this with another person. Practice being in his presence. Imageless and imageful prayer have their rightful place in Christian devotion and ministry. And if you don't know where to start, just start by praying the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, you are my shepherd. What do you want to say to me about being my shepherd? And listen. Write down any thoughts you get might be really stupid. It might be, oh, don't forget to take out the trash. That's not stupid. 
But, you know, just have a notebook and just write down what you might hear. You're pra- remember, you're practicing. And the more you practice and the more you do it and the more you then tell somebody, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm practicing, I think our culture of, uh, of constantly being in his presence, which we are defining prayer as, will grow. And I think we'll get an upgrade. I think we'll get an upgrade. Remember that Jesus is here. Remember that conversations with him and recognizing his voice are possible. Remember that having conversations with Jesus doesn't happen overnight. It takes intentionality on our part. When Mark was talking about community, he says it's inconvenient. Relationships are inconvenient. We have to make the space. Relationships are the task. A good friend of mine, Mike Bradley, said yesterday, relationships are the task, and that includes our relationship with God and our conversations with God and practice. Five minutes a day. Don't make it a big, huge, holy, pious. (laughs) Remember when Brendan started talking about prayer, and he's like, people think prayer is like this posture and that you have to do it for six hours in a day. You know, it's... We're setting ourselves up to fail. Just practice a little bit. When you do your reading, when you're sitting, when you're driving in the car, Jesus, where are you? And what do you want to say to me? Just listen. See if he says anything. We're going to take offering. Sometimes when you talk about imagination or you talk about connecting with Jesus that closely, um, you'll have some questions. Please come and see me. Ask me. Let's talk about it. Let's keep talking. Because I don't know... Everything, I'm not perfect. Ask, ask my family. <laughs> Brendan doesn't know I'm not perfect yet, but he will eventually. <laughs> so decide to be in training because he's here. Father, thank you for the fact that you are here. We thank you that you are calling us to recognize that you're here, you're with us, and you're speaking. I pray that you would bless this offering. That you would multiply it, Lord, so that others would know that you're here and you're listening. You're so good. You're so good. May we give out of our hearts today cheerfully and obediently in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, keep clapping. That's good. Well, you know, this was supposed to be my Sunday off to kind of just no responsibility. But after, after what we experienced this morning, the Lord's just been stirring up in my heart something. We got an upgrade today. And I'll tell you why. Those kind of exercises are not easy, especially for people that come to church on a Sunday morning just to come on a Sunday morning and feel good about themselves. It is hard to identify where Jesus is in the room in your presence. It's hard, and it feels stretching. It feels stretching. But if we want to be a discipleship culture, if we want to be a house of prayer that God calls us to, we have to be able to identify his presence. We have to. And Hebrews 5.14 tells us solid food is for the mature who by practice 
train themselves to distinguish where God is and where he is not. And so we have to keep practicing. We have to keep pressing. It might feel uncomfortable, but good. Good. Relationship is inconvenient, and it's hard, and it is uncomfortable 90% of the time, right? And then we're lifting our worship up to Jesus, our own new song. That's stretching for some of us. Oh, I don't want to say this out loud. It might sound weird. Let me tell you this. Praise and worship is not for you. It's for him. It's for him. We worship not to see what we can get because we've gotten everything we need in Christ Jesus. It's to give to him our praise and our glory. It's to minister to his heart because relationship is a two-way street. It's not one way. It's not what I can get from God and that's it. But Lord, how can I minister to your heart? So to see us and hear us sing a new song to the Lord, we should be doing that every day. And we, sh- we sure better believe we should expect that here in this place when we're together. And not be afraid of it. There is no shame to say hallelujah to the Lamb. And to say that out, Lord, thank you for my family like that. Lord, thank you for who you are. We cannot be ashamed to stretch that way anymore. So if we want to upgrade, if we want to be the people God, have, God has called us to be, then we need to keep stretching and practicing. And we can't be ashamed to do it. Amen? Let me bless you. I want you to receive this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you to bless us with the courage to continue to practice, to not be afraid, to be ready to receive all that you have for us because all that you have for us is good. But we don't just expect to receive and receive. We want to give you, Lord, all you, the honor and all the praise and all the glory that you deserve because you are the reason we're here. You're the reason why we sing. You're the reason why we preach. You're the reason why we love because you loved us first. So we thank you. Show us, Lord, how to minister to your heart. We practice because we want to continue to know you better so that the world may know who you are. We thank you. We praise you. May we go out in your light and go out in your love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you.